is a good podcast. Right now or in general? Yeah, we're like three minutes in and we barely said anything. <laughs> um, you were talking about ADD. You have ADD too. Yes, sir. Yeah. I. How long have you been diagnosed? Uh, has been 26 years. <laughs> cool. Yeah, for me it's been 13, I think. Hmm. Yeah. I probably still have it. It doesn't go away. People say it does. I don't think it hasn't for me though. I'm. People are the worst place of information. What are your thoughts on ADD? Oh boy, so many. My most interesting and relevant thoughts at this point are just trying to find out where the separation is between learned behavioral patterns that can be fixed and legitimate shortcomings in different types of working memory that I can't necessarily do anything about and how to compartmentalize those two things and figure out which one's which and then work on them as they need to be worked on. What, do you, what are your thoughts on the definition of ADD? Attention deficit disorder? That definition? I guess like what people define it as because like there's a lot of things that a lot of boxes that if any of them are checked you have ADD. Right. And there's a, a lot of things I can speak to about that. Um, the most interesting one is a very common misdiagnosis of ADD for people who have anxiety because... Oh, they're just distracted by their anxiety? Yes, okay. because you can only focus on roughly seven things at once. Right. And so if four of them are worrying about what somebody thinks about this thing, whether or not you're going to sound stupid when you talk, if you turned off the stove... Which is most kids, keep in mind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and... People get ADD drugs for anxiety all the time because it's misdiagnosed and they just like, well, you're not, you can't pay attention to stuff. And it's like, yeah, I guess. Like, <laughs> but this, and there's so many similarities in that way. And it's, it, I mean, and when you're a kid and you're like in a doctor's office with a, or a psychiatrist, I, I had a, mine was a psychiatrist for some reason. That's good. Um, I, I never actually went to a psychiatrist, but he was like a psych, psychiatrist doctor. Um, it was very bizarre. Um, I think he maybe had like a double medical degree in something or something like that. Yeah, psychologists can't give you drugs and psychiatrists can. The psychiatrist's not going to do a whole lot for you in terms of talking through stuff and with CBT and... Oh, okay. Yeah. Then I never actually talked to him, so that would make sense then. Okay. So this guy, or... I remember, I remember I was in my, in the doctor's office with my mom and I was just like, I think I, I think most of my ADD is related to how much, what anxiety is what like things that I don't want going on in my life distracting me and my mom's like oh why didn't you tell us about this I was like I don't I'm a kid <laughs> yes and it's like you don't fucking know anything kids are stupid as shit you can't possibly ask a child to make that kind of information known you have to observe them <laughs> yeah pretty much and uh, just so I, I think that ADD meds are kind of bad I don't like ADD meds at all hmm. I, I think they're a double-edged sword because when you have that anxiety and the ADD medicine makes you focus more. Guess what? It makes you focus on more. The bad thing. <laughs> That's true. But but there is the separation between an anxiety and actual ADD where the meds can be really helpful. And I've been trialing through meds now for the last probably two years, three years almost. Maybe not quite that long. But I started off just going to my GP and being like, yeah, give me this and see how it works. And that was all kind of hit and miss. And now I've got like an ADD specialist psychiatrist downtown. And I'm on something, I'm on a, a little combo right now that 
well, kind of fell backwards into because I had this one called Stratera, which is an it effectively does the same thing without being a stimulant because all the other ADD drugs being stimulants were making my anxiety go out of control. So it's like, okay, well, let's fix that. True. And but I, that's one where I still just got on my own. And then I'm with this guy and we've gone through a couple of different things. And right now I'm on like a dexmethylphenidate, which is sort of like methylphenidates, which is like Ritalin and Adderall. But there's something a little bit different about it. I can't quite remember. And I've got two. I've got a few of those. And then I started getting rid of the Stratera because I was like, I kind of want to push out all the drugs that I picked up on my own and start over with just as what we're working on together since we're, you know, seeing each other and going over this professionally. And so I went from 40 on the Stratera down to 25. Hmm. And suddenly I was like, man, something really useful happened. <laughs> like I just hit a spot where it's like, I feel like I can just do things that I don't want to do. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And my, well, cause my psychologist is much more on the other side of the fence where he, he is a big advocate for like behavioral changes and like cueing and modalities and checklists and all the different things that you can do on that side of the fence um, to help with it. And so getting both sides is really useful for the most part with, with almost anything that people would want to go get drugs for i would say talk to a therapist about it first because any like anxiety drugs are just going to be band-aids yeah something that is requires medicinal interaction like bipolar and stuff like that's a totally different beast but yeah i think at this point i mean i've been i've been with my therapist for like four years and it's like at this point every single person on earth regardless of how they feel about the world around them should see one because they're gonna learn something yeah just based on how our society works and what it highlights and how silly it all is yeah i saw a therapist for a couple of sessions i think that everybody should see a therapist just to see how they like it Mm -hmm. i don't think that everybody needs a therapist though i think that everybody has their own version of therapy yeah not yeah not everybody needs one but what i've gotten out of it is just learning how to think in ways that are not dark and pointless yeah that's fair i yeah i guess it's just for me i guess journaling is my therapy yeah. I think that's what it is for me. So, anyway, we're here with some audio topics for you. <laughs> yes. Um, I, uh, one last thing on the ADD thing. I was going to say that I am also, I'm, I mean, I'm not a doctor by any means, but I, I am also a bigger fan of behavioral changes over medicinal. Same. I think that uh, drugs are bad. Um, <laughs> I just thought that, I, yeah, it's not that I think that drugs are bad necessarily. It's just that it's, you know, if your anxiety is coming as a result of your thinking patterns, things that are in your life, then you can you should fix those things first. Right. It's like, well, yeah. And if it, even if it's just like if it's like a depression based anxiety where it's just like, I am not good enough for this. I'm not worthy of these things. I should not be. I don't I can't be the type of person to make my needs known. I have to take care of other people like these are all thought processes that put you in unhealthy situations and Firing up a Lexapro prescription is not going to wait. What solves them? It's just going to, it's going to sort of calm down all of the internal uh, dread that comes from being in a situation where you don't have control over your own assertiveness. And that is like, why wouldn't you instead want to learn how to think better? And then you just don't feel that way anymore. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't know. This, this is definitely like a controversial topic because I think there's a lot of people that. Mm-hmm. That's one reason that I, I'm a bigger fan of behavioral fixes. Right. This is this, what I'm about to say is the reason uh, I prefer behavioral fixes over medicinal. Medicinal kind of gives you an excuse mm-hmm. 
to like blame something. And I think that behavioral is much better because I can say, okay, this is, it, it puts it in my control a little bit more the, the having that, the mindset of it being behavioral. Right. Because you don't have to admit that you have a problem to go get something to fix it. You can just be somebody who's like, well, this is just how I am. And these pills will make me stop being that way. And then I won't have to deal with whatever anymore versus to decide to go to see a psychologist is like, I have a thing about me that I would like to work on that I don't like. Yeah. And it just, a, just going into the door is a completely different mindset on both, on both different, you know, different sides. And there's a really weird, like anti-psychological stigma in this country where it's like, so oh, psychology, you know, it's always going to be the dad's fault or whatever. My husband, I'm going to get a divorce because my wife went to see the psychologist. Oh, right. I, yeah, I get that. I, and, and I think it's more, I don't know, just all problems can be, not all problems. Like there, there's definitely a lot of problems that you should see a doctor for, but, and it might help to see a doctor, but there's, there's a lot of people that have like very basic problems and issues that can be solved by having the right mindset, I think. And they just blow it out of proportion. Yeah, I think that there's there's a lot of very common ways that people feel that they don't recognize are not the best way to feel. Right. But it's not it's not tangled fishing line, you know. They could probably be in and out of a therapist in a year and be sixty percent better off just having trained a couple of pretty low hanging fruit ideas in terms of how cognitive behavioral therapy works. Like, you know, golden rule of reversal and alternative potential outcomes and, you know, yeah. exposure therapy and pushing through like blow up ideas, that kind of stuff. Like all these little pieces of CBT are like, yeah. these things would solve so many problems that people have that they don't need to have. And it wouldn't take long to go through those. You just, it's the repetition of getting it to be how you think by default and, and pushing out the old stuff. Yeah, I think, I think a therapist or I think, if, a, so you're, you're saying that a therapist or a Psych psychiatrist what's the difference? Psychologist. Psycholo Psychiatrist gives drugs, psychologist give words. Okay, so what's a therapist? Psychologist. Those are the same. Okay, okay, they're the same. Okay. Um so if you go to a psychologist, I kind of feel like it does the same thing that like the journal does for me. Mm -hmm. I think that you just get words out. Not that that's I'm not trying to devalue the the what a psychologist does. It's just that it's No, no, and I think sometimes that's true. A lot of times lately I've been going and I end up just sort of venting about stuff for 45 minutes and it doesn't come with a ton of extra advice. But early on when we were, you know, pushing out big knots and stuff, it's like there's a really interesting way that he specifically will follow you down a thought process until you get to a dead end that gives you no other choice but to recognize why it's a silly way of thinking about something. And then you get an alternative. It's like, wouldn't it make more sense if this was true? Like the golden rule of reversal is like, if you think that this thing that you're doing is so burdensome to all these people around you, reverse it. And if they were doing it, how would you feel? If you would not feel burdened by it, everybody's going to be the same in this way. And if people are going to be upset, now we're talking about things that you don't have any control over, which is how people feel about what you say or what you do. Because they've got a whole world of things on their side making them think, oh, you know, if somebody, if I say something to somebody and they have 40 implications, they staple onto it before they eat it. It's like, that's not, that's not what I said. That's not what I mean. I'm sorry that that's what you got out of it. But yeah. Do you, so what do you feel is for you is like 
I'm assuming that we have a lot of people in the game audio training series that have not motivational issues, but maybe just like nerd problems. Maybe nerd problems. It might be nerd problems. It might be something going on. And like the, the way that they focus on something, it could be something as simple as like, like for me, I spent the last like two months figuring out why I couldn't get done as much work as I usually can. And it's because I mm -hmm. have YouTube open all the time and I shouldn't. Um, and like just something as small as that, like me, like I, I took the right steps to figure out how to get to that point. Yeah. Um, so I was curious, what, what are your, what are the things that you like to do on your own to solve your own problems? Cause you seem like somebody that can, I, I was surprised, I'm surprised that you see a psychologist actually. Cause I, you seem like somebody who's very, uh, not the, not mean way to say it. <laughs> say it. You're stupid. No, <laughs> I, I guess like the. What's what's the um, you seem like a problem solver? I think that that's what I'm I'm trying to say. Like you're you're a problem solver at heart. Yes, and well, and the problem is, to quote a line from A Beautiful Mind, it's like you you can't use your mind to solve a problem if your mind is where the problem's at to begin with. You're using busted tools to fix themselves, and so the main thing that you get out of therapy is simply different ways of thinking okay. that separate you from any of the internal filters that your thoughts may go through before they finally reach an actionable point. And so it's like, if your baseline is like, well, I'm just not as good as everybody else, then all of your thoughts that you have are gonna go through that filter before they end up anywhere tangible. Mm -hmm. And once you learn how to think against that idea, you're given something as easy as that golden rule of reversal for what for being a burden. Yeah. And then every time you think to yourself, you don't want to burden somebody with what is effectively a friendship. <laughs> Sometimes, like if you hate yourself, like then you know there's a burden everywhere you go in your mind. It's like uh, yeah. I'll get into that in a minute. But but then you just you learn tools on how to think differently in ways that make you much less internally awful. I I, I find that for myself. I guess I have a few versions of a psychologist, like without going to psychologist. I I go mm -hmm. talking to friends, having like do this podcast is actually great therapy for me. And I started another one for sketchy monsters. That's been excellent therapy for me because that's a lot of that stuff is like for sketchy monsters is all about. I mean, same thing with blip sounds. It's just getting starting on something and creating. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the journal as well. And I guess I don't know. I guess it depends on the severity of the problems that you're going through, though. Yeah, for sure. Because you can, I, you and I can talk about like how to motivate yourself easily. I feel like, but maybe, maybe there's something. I struggle sometimes. I'm really up and I'm really up and down in terms of my motivation. It's kind of all over the place. Sometimes I'll I'll sit and throw it all to the wind and play Overwatch for twelve hours, or sometimes I will. Yeah. Start five projects at once, and then the next day I'll do that again, and and I'm starting to learn things like if I get. A reasonable amount of physical exercise in the morning like i've been riding my bike over to the transit center which is like a mile with a little bit of hills here and there it's not much but just doing that like that has opened up a, a totally different world of productivity at work for one reason or another just just having exercise yeah okay nice and so like last night we, i was playing overwatch things were getting really fucking heated because that it's such an irritating game it's just such a sexy game and i was just yeah i was <laughs> just <laughs> 
And, and you, you're hours deep, and I hadn't taken a break, and everything's pissing me off. And so I was like, I'm going to go make some food. And I was just trying to find a way to chill out. So I went down. I went down to the rack downstairs, and I just did like a round of squats on the rack just to get to stretch my legs because I've been in the chair all day and to get a little exercise going and just just kind of blow it all off, you know. And that worked out really great. And nice. I've never done that before. It was just a new idea that I had. And it worked out, and it, and it felt good. Yeah. Uh, I've always had an approach to myself and how I deal with my happiness and also my general achievements. Because I think that when you break through a limitation, that's like a sense of accomplishment. And that sense of accomplishment, I think, is what a lot of people go for, want on a daily basis. Um, whether it's a video game like Overwatch or um, creating something. For like the last two days for me has been programming and figuring out how things work and uh, in a game development sense in Unity. For everything that I'm really bad at that I try and do on a daily basis, I always make sure to have a few good things that I know I'm that I that I have in my life on a daily basis as well. Or and even if it's something as small as like I know that I can sleep and I can sleep well. Cool. I'm gonna focus. I'm just gonna make sure that I get that for myself. Um, yeah. I know that I can do this thing well. I know that I can. I know that I can make some mean eggs and bacon. I'm gonna at least do that for myself. And I think. And I think that. And I think that's kind of similar to what you were saying with your Overwatch and. Huh. squats example maybe interesting yeah no i was just trying because that was that was super experimental i was just like feeling like maybe whatever i'm losing yeah by not getting the exercise i need to do something like yeah. this. yeah yeah that makes sense maybe i'll see if i can pick it up a little bit just to get just to get some blood in the old brain it'll open up one thing or another and you know i'll have a better ability to just push past the frustrations and just try to continue having fun. I, I've never had more of an urge to work out than right now, and I've been really bad about working out lately. <laughs> I'm, I'm awful about it. I, it's, I, I do it in bursts that usually last a couple of months tops, and then it falls apart. But I feel like so working out, I think, is a brilliant one, a version of that because you can mm -hmm. even even if you're not breaking through up to like a new weight or a new uh, rep count or whatever you're doing, you're still doing a, accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. accomplishing like breaking through like a mental barrier and I think that itself is just really good like stimulus for approval in your brain I guess um, I, I look at things in a very like I guess like a self-approval basis I think that's kind of how I view the world and how I view myself and everything that I do and like how I treat myself versus via the things I do mm-hmm yeah, I was going to say, because I, I learned a long time ago that, I don't know how long ago it really was, but nobody gives a shit about the stuff you do. Right. So you should give a shit about the stuff that you do. Yeah. And so it's like, if it's up to me, if, if since I can't ask anybody else how this is, I have to just look at it and go, am I happy with what I've made based on what I know and what I wanted it to be? Because there's, I do... I do a lot of writing very sporadically in various forms, and there are a couple of different comedy articles that I've written over the years for different websites. And But you're not funny, Chris. Oh. That's probably why nobody said anything. <laughs> <laughs> this is the exact self-approval I was talking yeah. about. <laughs> but if I can go back to something like that and read it again and be like, this holds up really well. Like, you just read your own stuff and be like, this is... I don't remember that joke. That joke is solid. And you just look at it. This is great. Yeah. 
that is something that is great. That's it's held up well versus reading something going, oh yeah, this this was written back when I wasn't as good as I am now. I mean, even then though, even if you look back in something that wasn't as good, you're still able to say, oh, look how much I, look how far I've come. Yeah, absolutely. Because especially when you do it so passively that it's it does not make itself obvious when you get better. Yeah. Going back and seeing something that wasn't as good, and you're like, oh, I'm quite a bit better than this now. How did that happen? creativity and creating stuff heals yeah it's good stuff yeah and i feel like i haven't gone back and listened to like the marth shield breaker sound that i've made since that day oh let's look it up now oh god is, is it because I, I don't actually, know yeah what's gonna I, i'll tell you how it is I don't, okay i remember some of the complaints that you had about it when i made it some of the criticisms i guess i should say oh did i make that video yeah i did um do you want to hear this or no? Yeah, I guess. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, this is awful, Chris. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> actually, no. You're, you're, it's actually not bad. Okay. Um, let's share it. This is what you did, Chris. Now, I want you to remember that you won the competition just or one month ago. Yeah, and this was and this was effectively a year ago. Yep. Just about. What, what was the? You know what the uh, submit date was for this? For the this competition, uh-huh. uh huh, it would have been this. It would have been for September, so it would have been like September twenty first or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, this was our second competition that we ever did. Oh, really? Just number two. You ready? Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Hmm. Yeah, I can think of a few things I'd be do I'd do different now. Even that alone, like having that, like, oh, I know what I do differently. That uh -huh. that goes a long way just to be like, oh, I, I think positive self talk is kind of what I chalk this up to, like for myself. Yeah. Just like being able to, I don't know. I, I guess it is kind of hard for people to look at things in a positive way, and I'm not sure. I haven't really looked into deeply how to do that specifically. I don't know. I think there's a there's. It's important to be able to recognize accomplishments as they come, as you work towards a bigger goal. Yes. Because it helps keep you going in that direction. And that's why the micro goal th or the tiny goals thing that we were talking about in the previous episode is so valuable as well. Yeah, and that was because that's one thing I, my therapist and I were talking about in terms of we talked because we used to talk about the sound design competition a lot. You and the you and your therapist. Yeah. Really? Because, <laughs> yes, because it was one of the reasons. Like I I would talk to him about how how incredibly difficult it was to be motivated to do this thing that I really did want to do. Mm. And he talked about how like this constant, you know, yeah, this was good, but not ever winning anything. Like you need those small successes to push you through to do things. And you need to have them along the way to kind of re-energize you like, like Wi-Fi repeaters, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. I never thought about that. Yeah. And to have, having gone so long of sort of close but not really winning, just it, it just eventually it became kind of a slog. And then I got to that Bayonetta one, which is the only one that was never mentioned in anything because it just wasn't any good. And it was because I was my in my motivation for it kept sort of dwindling down to like that one. I did like four hours before it needed to be submitted. And I just <laughs> wait, wait when uh, you say it was never mentioned do you mean like brian didn't mention it in the competition? right i okay. didn't get you know there was no placement there was no honorable mention it just wasn't part of the video at all okay and after that i was like i gotta figure out how to dive back into this and do it and care about it enough to 
get back to the level at the very least where I was when I was being mentioned. Yeah. Because this is falling apart. Because the one before that was the Junkrat one, which I was really happy with, but did not get the win because it was way too close to the original sound that we used. Because it was one of the first ones where we had the actual audio in the animation. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so there was that. And then there was the other one, the Bayonetta one that was just a, a phone in that I got what I deserved for that. And then I took a couple of months off when it was like, I don't remember. I, I think I came back on the Hanzo one, but because it was like, I just. Bayonetta was like January, wasn't it? I think so. And I did do that one, but yeah, it was. And that, yeah. And then after that, it took a while to be like, I, what am I even doing? Like, I'm not. I have nothing positive to push me through all of the negatives that I've been dealing with and not getting this put together. And it just, nothing ever felt like it was making, getting any better. There was no progress in it for me. Um, but yeah, so I was like, all right. For the Hanzo one, I was like, all right, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna come back. I'm back, I'm out of retirement. I'm done with my existential crisis. Let's make a goddamn sound for this. And that one was tough. I gotta mention. That one, that one was, that one was the hardest sound I've ever done, hands down. Like, and that one, yeah, that one was tough. I think I got second, second or third. I think, can't really remember. You, you were high up there. Yeah, and then, but then the Chrono Trigger one, like I was, that one was really exciting because it was completely different. We weren't doing Overwatch, we weren't doing Smash Brothers. Like this was one of the first times that we did something that was totally different from everything we'd done so far. And I was like, well, I'm a huge Chrono Trigger fan, and I'm a huge 16-bit fan. Um, I have no intention of making this sound like a 16-bit sound. It kind of ended up being that way, just because of the way that stuff happened, like we talked about in the last episode. Um, but that one, as soon as I did, as, like as soon as I finished that one, I was like, "This is it. This is the this is the one that's got it." And it was like, even when I did that that UI sound, like this is the one. That thing that mm -hmm. that was so perfect, and I love every, the way everything in here goes. I think this is it. Yeah. I think that one was still close too. Like a lot of people had really good ones too. And then there was the Mario Flood one, which I didn't care about at all. And then the one we're doing right now. What is this month's? It's the one with the oh, single yeah. source and that the good. fire yeah. thing. And it's cool. It's a cool idea. It puts me off. I love the idea of just making. It, it teaches you a lot to just use one source recording. Yes. Yeah. And I think, and I do like it. And I, it, it puts me off, but not of because course. it's a bad idea. And so. And because I'm just too busy right now with all True. this other junk, um, but I will I will do another one, and I'll, hopefully I'll win that you one. You know too. who did the best sound throughout all of the competitions? One that probably there was only one sound throughout the entire entirety of the competition that rivaled the original sound. Hmm. Do you know who it is? No. It was the Reinhardt Ultimate one. Yep. That one was insane. Like, just blew my mind how good that was. It was. You placed, you had a good one too, I remember, didn't you? And I did some really weird shit to make that one work. What you're thinking of, the sound being that as good as it could have been, like, I think it was mine. Correct. But I did not win because there were a couple of animations that had no sounds on them, including the fall at the end. The Walrus was the only one to actually. He was the one that won. He was the only one to add that camera shake sound. And I didn't even think of that. You know who else didn't think of it? The, the developers of Overwatch themselves did not think of it. And it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was, oh, I'm mad at you, Walrus. 
Get out. I'm mad. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I tried on that. I threw some stuff. I filled up a backpack and like I grabbed some clothes and I threw I just started like throwing stuff in the air in my kitchen to try to get like a floor thudding sound. That's how you do it, honestly. And I just could not put something together that sounded even remotely decent. And then I, and then I thought of it. I was like, well, this is not the focus of the sound. The Reinhardt thing is. So this probably is just extra. It doesn't really matter too much anyway. And then I left it out. Yeah. My, my rule of thumb is the more attention to detail you can add, the better. Right. And it was after that one because it seemed more or less the case that it was like if you hadn't skipped these two animations or whatever, this would have probably been the winner because this was huge. And I was like, shit. <laughs> is that what I said? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And it was like, shit. Well, then, uh, yeah. Everything that moves gets a sound. That's the rule now. That And that's a very good rule to have when you're doing sound design, in my yeah, opinion. It was your rule. And that's why it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so, yeah. And But that one, I did so many crazy things with that one because I was trying. I, I wanted to. I was trying to create an effect that I didn't. I was like, it, it would be done with a plugin now called Little Microshift, probably. But I didn't know that. And what I really wanted to do was to create a sensation of not just the floor under a character coming up and stopping. I wanted it to go around because this thing hits you and it just keeps going. Like, it, does, it doesn't stop at you. Right. And so I did a lot of, like, you know, low, medium, high layering. And then I would have it, like like blend into different pans of the same thing and just it worked really well it was so big mm -hmm. and i was like this is it here and it was just because of that damn fall and the, the hammer stuff too i didn't do anything for the actual you know true or when you make sound a sound effect for anything it's weird when you don't have a sound tied to an animation like it it's it, it breaks the immersion of it um and it's something that when I was going through the entries for the Reinhardt one, I remember seeing everybody's, and I was like, oh, all these are really good. Mm -hmm. and But none of them had the camera shake. And the Walrus, I watched his, and because no one else, because I had never heard it before, on like, the 10 different versions made by different people did not have a camera shake, and his did, I was like, wow. All these other ones just suck now <laughs> because all of them break immersion because I my expectations are too high and uh, then that is when the walrus raised the competition meta <laughs> mm -hmm. and I hate uh, and I asked him after the fact too I was like what did you do to get that falling sound and of course it's the most irritatingly simple answer it's like oh I just hit my desk and I was like F I was like I'm I was like I, I practically built a straw man <laughs> you know what you know what's upsetting about that or you know what's amazing about that what? You don't have to have the, like, you don't have to have a real person fall off a building to have, like, I a, know. like you don't have to have a real hammer in front of you. you I know. You, like, and it's just. And that's the thing is, like, I didn't, I went the wrong way. Instead of going for simplicity, I went for realism. Yep. And that's what, and that's what screwed me. And that's where motivation ties into all of this as well again. Because you can just start simple and then scale things to be more complicated over time. There's no reason mm -hmm. to start complicated. Which is another reason why you should be a programmer. Because you most programmers start too complicated. And then they scale down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you don't want to do it that way. No. So I shouldn't be a programmer. Well, you should. be. It's surprising that you're not. Because that's exactly what a programmer would do. 
I mean, it's not, how, I don't know, it's not how I do everything all the time. I do prefer simplicity and efficiency sure. over everything else. And I'm always trying to find ways to make things more efficient. Yeah, and I think that's also a programmer thing as well. It, it depends on where you're at in your programmer journey. Yeah, and it's just like, like with the UI sound for the Chrono Trigger thing, like that didn't take, uh, you know, 40 different attempts of trying to make a door squeak with a certain amount of weight that I put on with like, oh, I tied a paint can to it and uh, swing it out. And now it's doing this and trying to get that sound. It was like, oh no, I'll just whistle and off yep. we go. And so like the simplicity of that was my favorite thing about it. And so it's like, I don't always go for the most complicated thing, but it in your mind, you would think, well, if I need the sound of somebody falling down, why don't I just fall down? And I didn't want to fall down. So I figured what falls down when I fall down? My backpack, my clothes, my shoes, my keys. Yep, like, that's smart. I'm gonna build a person. And it just never worked out. And then I waited nine months and <laughs> lo and behold, there was a person. Yep. 18 years he, later. He no brain, though. 18 years after, <laughs> after <laughs> it grew to the size of a full human being, I was able to yep. drop my child on the yep. floor. Anywho. And get a hell of a recording. That's right. Anyways, thanks for watching, everybody. This has been a fun episode where we talked about. We talked a lot of. This is this this was a weird one. Um, this one was yeah. This is some meandering stuff. I thought three and four were meandered. This got even weirder. I don't even know what the question was. Uh, we didn't have a question at the beginning. We just talked. We started by talking about ADD and psych psychologists. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I was gonna say because this one seems like it wasn't even necessarily planned. No, it wasn't. We were gonna talk about. Uh, Something we talked about in the one we recorded before this one. Uh, yeah, whether or not sounds are good. Sure, so, something like that, yeah. And yeah, how can you tell if your sound is good yeah. versus what makes a good sound? Uh, and so, yeah, we'll, maybe we'll do another one. We'll see. Um, anyways, thanks for watching, everybody. This is actually part of the Game Audio Training Series weekly podcast that we have running. And if you would like to see the full episodes for these, you can come to the Game Audio Training Series. It is live in the meantime just stay subscribed to youtube and uh thanks for watching <laughs> i love how much of this is gonna have to go into the trash like <laughs> <laughs>